We're glad you're here. Welcome to La Jolla Community Church. Let's start with reading God's word together. We're going to read Psalm 33, verses 12 to 23. Would you recite with me? Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the heart of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him on whose, those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. One, would you please stand and join us in worship? Oh 
you all turn to each other and say good morning before we Okay, if everyone would uh, have a seat, um, turn our attention to the screens, thanks. Hi, La Jolla Community Church. My name is Ryan Sylvia, and I am the Student Ministries Director here on campus. Uh, I just want to welcome you to our service this morning and draw your attention to a bulletin which you should have got as you walked in. If you're new here or even have been here forever, um, pull, open up that bulletin and look on the inside and you will notice a little sheet that comes right off where you can fill out a little information about yourself. If you're brand new here, we would love to get to know you and welcome you into our family. We want to make you feel welcome, feel loved, because that's what we are. We are a family here who lives together and prays together. So if you want to fill out a little prayer request on there, whether it's a praise request, or a prayer for something that you're struggling with in your life, we would love to partner with you in prayer. We have a team that is devoted to praying for each and every one of these prayer requests. So please let us get to know you a little bit, welcome you into our family, and enjoy your time here at La Jolla Community Church. One of the things that we cherish most here at La Jolla Community Church is community. If you would like to be a part of that community and get to know us a little bit better, please join us this Friday, August 30th, for our church family picnic. We're going to be out on the lawn enjoying community with those around us, those that live in the neighborhood, and our own families. Bring a picnic dinner to share, a blanket, maybe some chairs, and just come and join for an amazing time. We're going to be putting on a fantastic movie that's great for all ages. It's called Ugly Dolls, and it teaches us to celebrate our diversity, to celebrate our differences. So please come join us out on the lawn. We will be serving popcorn, lemonade, and some desserts. But if you would like to bring your own dinner, please feel free to do so. We'll have a barbecue out there. If you'd like to cook up some veggies, some meat, you are more than welcome to do so and join us for a wonderful night under the stars as we celebrate our diverse community. Thanks again for choosing to join us here at LJCC on this wonderful Sunday. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, but if you have any questions or would like to learn anything more about who we are or what we do here at La Jolla Community Church, please feel free to visit our website at www.ljcc.org. Thank you so much and have a blessed Sunday. Let's pray together. Almighty living God, we praise you as our King and as the Redeemer, the one who calls each of us to new life in you. Thank you for your promise that you are faithful to forgive whatever we are faithful to confess. Thank you that by Christ payment has been made, that condemnation is past. Help us to live there in that freedom to take you at your word. With you alone are strength and sound wisdom. From you comes conviction, repentance, faith, forgiveness, unfailing love. May all your will for each of us be done because we are yielded to you, submitted to you, 
and willing to be loved by you and willing to be honest with you. You are the Lord over each of us individually and as a congregation. We trust that you have us in hand. We thank you that you are ruling and we are not. Guide our steps. Lead the board and staff and give accord with your will in every decision. May all your purposes be accomplished for us and by us and in us. We ask that you would give courage and comfort to all the parents seeing kids off to college or kindergarten or any stop in between. And for the kids, we pray peace and protection and joy in learning. Guide those who govern us. You govern them, and we trust you as the sovereign one. Give them wisdom and a compelling desire to do your will. Thank you that you continually call us, not to religion, not to rules, but to relationship. You are able to do abundantly more than all we ask or, or think, so we ask you to guide our prayers and guide our steps this week. Amen. Because of Jesus Christ, we are gratefully yours. Thank you. Amen. Laura, thank you. Well, I hope you're having a great summer. It's a gorgeous day today. And uh, commiserations to all the students that have to go to school before Labor Day weekend. I mean, uh, <clears throat> old school, um, used to Labor Day weekend, then school. Uh, I can't believe how many students are now in school. But congratulations to all you parents whose children are now in school. So that's the other side of it. <clears throat> we, uh, we're, we're almost at the end of a summer series. Uh, next week is the last installment. We're talking about what does it mean to, to have wisdom in the marketplace. Uh, we've broken down wisdom into bite-sized pieces. There's so much to talk about in terms of being wise. It's sort of overwhelming to think about being a wise person. But one of the things we wanted to do is to simply reflect week by week on various aspects of wisdom. What does it mean to embrace wisdom for this or that? And so today, uh, in our next to the last installment, uh, we're talking about wisdom in spiritual growth. Uh, so what comes to mind when you think of spiritual growth? It, it's, a, it's a huge, huge topic. Uh, it's a lifetime topic, but we want to uh, uh, ask and, and answer three questions. What does spiritual growth look like? Uh, what's the process for spiritual growth? And then how is our church pursuing it this fall? So the first question, and to do that, we're going to do that in the context of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, probably one of the great classic texts about wisdom uh, in the wisdom literature, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. So the first question we're asking is this. What does spiritual growth look like? If somebody said to you, what, what is it supposed to look like to have spiritual growth? It's like this, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Uh, how many of you have memorized this? This is sort of a classic text. A lot of you have memorized this. If you're going to memorize, start memorizing the Bible, this is a great place to start. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him or submit to him, and he will set your path straight. He will make your path straight. So <clears throat> let's take that uh, bit by bit, bite by bite. Uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Can you think of a bigger issue in life than trust? Uh, certainly love is the, big, is the big theme in life. But within love, how, how do you have love without trust? Think about that. Trust is essential to every relationship that we have. If you can't trust your friends, what do you do? <clears throat> the worst thing for a kid is to be uh, someplace where they overhear their friends, their friends, talking about them. 
and realizing the things they're saying are not complimentary. They're not encouraging. Uh, they're, they're actually critical and mean and uh, heartbreaking. About trust in families. If you can't trust your spouse, it's a very difficult marriage. If you, if you can't trust your kids, it's really tough when they say, hey, Dad, can I have the keys to the car? <clears throat> if, uh, or or, or when, when are you coming home from being away for the weekend? That's a tough one, right? It's tough when, 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 when kids can't trust their parents. It's a hard thing to be in a family where, where children don't know if they can depend on their parents, if they can trust them or not. <clears throat> uh, business. No business can thrive or survive, flourish and grow, be sustainable without trust. If you can't trust the people in your business, uh, if you can't trust the people you're doing business with, um, think of the billions of dollars that we burn up every year resolving issues of trust in American business. Uh, <clears throat> this next one's sort of hypothetical, just conceptual, doesn't really relate to normal stuff, but what if there wasn't trust in politics? What if possibly uh, there was a trust issue as it relates to politics? W would that be an issue? Uh, yeah, of course. If, pol if politicians can't trust one another, they won't collaborate. Uh, and as the African proverb says, when the elephants fight, the grass suffers. And if we can't trust our politicians, uh, it, it, we become cynical. Uh, how did you know that politician was lying? Oh, their lips were moving. You go, oh, it's heartbreaking. And then finally, uh, trust in the church. No church is sustainable but for trust. So trust is a massive, big issue. Uh, and trust is challenging. Why? Because trust requires risk and vulnerability. Risk and vulnerability. You're risking something because you ultimately can't control a relationship. You have to trust that that person will be faithful to that relationship. <clears throat> if the person who is hiring you and recruiting you to a job makes, makes claims and promises, you're trusting them to keep them. If the person who stands with you and says, till death do us part, fails to fulfill their commitment to you, it's heartbreaking. It's risky and vulnerable to trust anybody. I mean, I can passively believe. Oh, I believe this, I believe that. There's not a lot of cost to saying I believe something. In fact, every poll done in America says most people believe in God. Uh, many, many, many people uh, who say, I believe in Jesus. I believe that the Bible is God's word. It's amazing to, to the, high, the high degree to which people still say this. Even if they answer none for a church affiliation, they'll often say yes to some of these issues. Why? Because they're pretty much easy issues to say, I believe, I believe, I believe. Trust, on the other hand, is active. I can passively believe, but I've got to actively trust. I've got to put my weight on something. I've got to get in the car that the mechanic supposedly just fixed. I've got to eat the food uh, that the chef just prepared. I've got to depend on the medicine I'm taking, that it wasn't corrupted somehow. I've got to depend on the data <coughs> that um, the scientist has said this is the, uh, the outcome of all the testing we've done. So there's greater risk and vulnerability in trusting than there is in simply believing. Belief is about faith and truth, the plausible explanations, but trust is faith in a relationship. Are we on the same page on this? So we all know uh, that trust is absolutely essential to everything that really, truly matters in life. And so, therefore, uh, trusting the Lord is essential. I must commit to the Lord, not just say I believe in the Lord. And, of course, the, the benefit of moving from simply belief to belief as trust is that you'll never experience uh, the benefits of faith. 
can never experience the impact of faith unless you're willing to trust the Lord. And so Jesus Christ's demonstrated love for us calls forth from us trust in him. We see that Jesus was willing to trust the Father uh, to come on this earthly mission. God in the flesh comes into the world, Jesus, the incarnate Son of God. <clears throat> and, he, and he trusts the Father to fulfill that mission. And the Father trusts him. And we see at the most critical point in Jesus' mission on earth, at night in a garden called Gethsemane, he's praying intensely to the point that he's sweating drops of blood. He's perspiring blood. And remember his prayer. If this cup could pass, if there's another way to get this done, could we do that? But how does he resolve it? With trust. He says, but not my will be done, yours be done. The ultimate trust we see in Christ. And because he has demonstrated uh, his love for us, his commitment to us, then we are compelled to trust him. Uh, and so we, we demonstrate our love by trusting him in return. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Uh, this is not um, criticizing knowledge learning, knowing, or understanding. This is not diminishing the need for knowledge and deep understanding. What this is saying is, if you were here when this psalm was read, uh, when Laura read Psalm 33, uh, verses 1 to 12, we can't, like a king, trust in a big army. Fast horses, chariots, soldiers. Ultimately, that trust is ephemeral. It, it, it's not enough. Uh, our understanding is laudable. It's absolutely essential and necessary. But leaning on our own understanding will not get the job done. <clears throat> we, we, we lean on him, ultimately. A fool leans on their understanding, according to the prophet Jeremiah. Don't be foolish. Trust in the Lord. Do not trust in yourself. Now, here's the thing, though. Uh, we want to be people of understanding. We want to be a learning community. We hold learning in high regard. We want people who are leaders in the church to be well-informed, well-educated. Uh, we want people to have seminary degrees. We count that as, as, a, as a plus, uh, a two-year master of theology, a three-year master of divinity. We're trusting that they've spent the time studying the original languages, studying all the aspects of theology uh, uh, that, that come to bear on teaching and leading in the church. Why? We want people of deep understanding. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we want that woman, we want that man to trust in the Lord. Congratulations on your degree. Congratulations on all the hard work you've done. Congratulations on all the knowledge <clears throat> that you've accumulated in your theological studies. But what we want to know is at the end of the day, do you trust the Lord with all your heart or do you lean on your own understanding? So this is the power. Disciples who think clearly and trust their teacher is what we want to be. If you're a disciple of Jesus, and if you claim Jesus as Savior and Lord, you are by definition a disciple. The question then is what kind of disciple you be, an informed, deeply understanding disciple or a distracted, um, um, uh, disinterested uh, disciple. But we want thinking disciples who trust their teacher. So apart from him, we will remain spiritually immature. Because of all of our study and all the unnecessary education and knowledge that we want to accumulate in life groups, personal Bible study, uh, going to community Bible study, <clears throat> taking classes online, even if you don't want a degree, take a class online from Fuller Seminary or Bethel Seminary. Why? Because we want people to be deepening their understanding of their faith. But at the end of the day, if, if we are not tight with him and trusting in him, uh, it'll be to no avail. We'll still remain spiritually immature and therefore will remain spiritually ineffective. 
Because our maturity is simply a, re a reflection of not only our understanding, but our trust in him. It allows us to be effective for him and becoming mature in him. And so we apply our understanding, we just don't lean on it. So that brings us to the second question. Uh, what's the process for spiritual growth? What's the process for spiritual growth? If the first question is, what does it look like? Uh, the second question is, what's the process for spiritual growth? Basically, it's three spheres. It's biblical wisdom, it's emotional um, maturity, and it's missional impact. So a biblical knowledge that leads to biblical wisdom is one sphere. We, we don't just read the Bible to be interesting people at parties. Uh, we want to read the Bible for deep understanding that leads to wisdom because we're trusting in the Lord. Uh, the second thing is emotional maturity. That, that, that's really the process of personal growth. That's another sphere. These are all overlapping spheres. It's, it's, it's ridiculous to say, well, I know the Bible backwards and forwards, but I'm emotionally undeveloped. I lack EQ. I don't know how to relate to the world around me. I have no self-awareness. So personal growth that leads to emotional maturity is absolutely essential in this process of, uh, of growing in, in, in the Lord. And of course, biblical wisdom and emotional maturity set us up for missional impact. Missional impact is a fancy way of saying we develop ministry skills, ways of applying our faith that bless other people. So somebody in your life group or a dear friend says to you, I'm crushed, I, I, I don't know what's gonna happen to our marriage. And as you're talking and you're saying, yeah, I'm getting counseling and I'm reading books and we're trying to work on it, but I am just so scared. And if all you can say is, gee, that's a bummer, I feel bad for you. I hope it works out okay. <clears throat> that's a nice gesture. That will not have missional impact. Here's what missional impact looks like. Well, you believe in prayer, right? Yeah, I do. I've been praying like mad. Do you mind if I pray for you? And you take that person's hand and you pray for them. And you don't give them a lecture through your prayer. You simply say, Lord, you know what she's going through. Lord, you know the burden he's bearing. Please remind my dear brother, my dear sister, that you are with him. You're with her. You're for her. You're for him. Give them wisdom and discernment as they walk through this valley of the shadow, this very difficult place, and meet them every step of the way so that they could see that your hand is on them. Your abiding presence is in them. That's called missional impact. Why? Because you're not just expressing your sympathy. You're expressing your deep empathy and your capacity to say, you know what? I believe this is an opportunity for God to move in your life, to work in your life, to comfort you, to lead you, to help you be honest and, and bold and courageous. So this is what ministry skill is. It's just simply learning the things that allow us to have an impact in the name of Jesus. Just being ourselves. Simply being you as a person who has biblical wisdom and emotional maturity, you will inevitably have this ministry skill to listen well, to pray, to answer questions. And even if you can't answer the question that somebody asks you, you'll say, well, I think I know where we can get some answers. There's this thing called the Veritas Forum. Google that. And there's all kinds of great, great lectures about these issues that we're talking about. What you then have is missional impact. Your ministry skill at that point is simply knowing how to direct people, how to connect people. I know somebody you should talk to. You follow me on this? So these three spheres uh, are the process for spiritual growth. Uh, uh, by the way, I put together uh, two workbooks, Spiral Bound. This is a, a brief infomercial. <clears throat> if you buy one of these today, we'll give you a, a timeshare and, <laughs> and very sharp knives. Uh, you know, um, uh, basically, what I did is I simply took 
what I just told you is that I've been reflecting on well, what does discipleship look like? What, what does spiritual growth look like? And I thought it's these three things. And so this, this one uh, is a spiritual growth journal. And you'll notice on the cover, if you, if you want to pick one up out, out at the book table, it's a bunch of words that don't make much sense. And that's how spiritual growth looks when you first start. But as you work through all the content in this, you get to the back panel, and it says spiritual growth, spiritual growth, spiritual growth, right? If you want to help people grow spiritually, this is a mentoring manual. Again, super simple, a very, very clear process because nobody feels qualified to be a mentor to anybody else spiritually. Who am I to presume I could help you spiritually? And so it's all just letters. Uh, and then as you go through this and just start to reflect on what does it mean to be a spiritual mentor? Oh my gosh, I could do that. Just by being me in the presence of this person, I could help them grow. And then it comes together at the back. You become a spiritual mentor. So, so these three spheres are supported by, by uh, many elements, but let me just take the top five. Five catalytic things that contribute to these three spheres of biblical wisdom and emotional maturity and missional impact. Things like this, life-changing truth. You start reading the Bible and it captures your imagination. And you start connecting the dots and applying it. Uh, things like spiritual disciplines, fasting, prayer, tithing, serving. Uh, a bunch of folks were out yesterday in El Cajon building a house through Habitat for Humanity for a single mom. She has sweat, sweat equity in the project. So a bunch of our folks were helping to build, paint, do all kinds of interesting things to advance that project. That's an element of spiritual growth. Service is an element of spiritual growth. And so spiritual disciplines are reflected in things like service. Meditating on the word of God. Practicing solitude. You, you follow what I'm saying? Spiritual disciplines aren't punishments. They're ways of strengthening our inner core in Christ. So life-changing truth, spiritual disciplines, significant relationships. The people that God has brought into your life are key to helping you grow spiritually. They're the people who maybe led you through the process of gaining biblical knowledge or walked you through a, a process of emotional development. Perhaps it was the counselor that you paid money to to see every week. Perhaps it was that wise person that God brought into your life. Perhaps it was the brothers or sisters in your life group. And then pivotal circumstances. Uh, junior high and high school kids call this camp. Uh, it can be a work project. Sometimes pivotal circumstances are reversals in life and failures in life that capture our attention. Heartbreaking moments in life when we say, I don't know what to do. Uh, I don't know how to even navigate through this. And God meets us there and uses that as part of the spiritual growth. And then finally, personal ministry. <clears throat> Without personal ministry, like the folks who were serving yesterday or the folks who were serving today, uh, without personal ministry, we cannot grow. I can guarantee, unless you start figuring out what the gifts that God has given you look like, what he's put in your hand, and start using it creatively, constructively to bless other people, you will not grow. You cannot grow. You might be very knowledgeable. You might have opinions about things, but you will not grow. So these three things, supported by these elements, are all part of what helps us in this process of spiritual growth. And so this looks like a structure, right? Routines, rituals in your life that are super helpful. Things that you do on a regular basis, every day, throughout the week, monthly, quarterly, annually. And all of a sudden you realize, wow, all that content, like every meal you've ever eaten, every exercise you've ever, you've ever taken, every class or book you've ever attended or read, all of a sudden becomes part of the content of God filling us with these things that produce spiritual growth in us. 
And so therefore, he says, in all your ways, submit to him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean just on your own understanding. But in all your ways, submit to him. How does that word submit sound to you? It's not a popular uh, or a positive word in our culture. Submit sounds harsh. It sounds humiliating. It sounds like somebody's trying to control you, perhaps. <clears throat> Let me give you another take on that. What does it mean to submit our ways to God? Uh, submitting is about righteous consideration and respect. That's my personal definition. Uh, and we could come up with all kinds of wordsmithing on this. But ultimately, uh, submitting uh, is about righteous consideration and respect. When I think about how I relate to God, do I bring righteous consideration? Righteous as in a relationally aligned interaction. And do I respect him? Am I considering who God is and what he says? Am I respecting God? Uh, that's what it means for me to submit myself to him. And so it's what you do because you love and serve the Lord. There's a relational uh, value in here. Uh, there, there's, there's, there's relational elements, qualia. You know, that's a collective of, of, of things that, that you experience uh, in your relationship with the Lord that allow you to submit to him. Why? Because submitting is just another word for trusting in him. Uh, so how do I submit myself to the Lord? I consider God in making my plans. It's like Jesus again saying, Lord, your will be done, not mine. Uh, it's what Micah says in Micah 6.8. He has told you, O man, what is good. He has told you, O man, what is good. To love justice, to practice righteousness, to walk humbly with your God. Right? So that's what submitting looks like. I act in ways that honor God and, and glorify him. And now this goes from that strong vertical of, of how do I submit to God to how do we submit to one another, that strong horizontal. And so you see in passages like Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, submit yourselves to one another out of your common reverence for Christ. Uh, often uh, I, I hear people talk about the verses that follow that, about the roles of husbands and wives in relating to each other, the, the roles of parents and children in relating to each other. But if you don't start with 521, there's no context. You've, you've missed the proper framework and setting. Submit to one another out of your common reverence for Christ. What does that simply mean? How do I submit myself to others? I consider others in making my plans. Do you make plans without considering others? Are you unilateral in the way that you approach your life? I just do what I want to do and expect people to get in line with that. Or as you have great ideas or great insights or great understanding on something, you see a solution to a problem, you see an opportunity to meet a need, do you say, wow, I wonder what that would look like if I included some other people to help me think that through, to refine that, to coordinate our efforts together. So I consider others in making my plans is a sign of submitting. I act to bless others and build them up in faith is, a, is a, an expression of submitting. So all of a sudden, submitting becomes a very powerful, positive thing, doesn't it? I care enough about you to say, how does this affect you? How do you feel about this? How would this look like if we did this together? Or do you have any ideas or, or, or insight, understanding that I could take as I go to pursue what I think is a vision from God, a call from God, a dream, an aspiration? That starts to make me very, very excited about submitting myself. Because in that sense, submitting means I'm getting support. It means I'm getting accountability. Support is another way of saying, I think you can do it. I think you could do this. God's in this. I think you can do this and you should do this. Accountability is when will you do it and how will you do it? 
that honors and glorifies God and blesses people. So in all your ways, uh, submit to him. And finally, it says, and he will make your paths straight. He will make your paths straight. I love this, but it doesn't mean what I first thought it meant. When I first read it, I thought, easy street. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. This is going to be so good because God is going to make my life better. God is a committee of one or three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, planning my well-being, planning ways to make me happy. You know each of us have committees out there right now as we're here planning our happiness. You know that. We like to think that that's the case. And he will make your paths straight. Straight paths aren't necessarily easy paths. What this means is that his path leads us to him. Straight paths just mean paths that lead us to God and allow us to walk with God. And this is a great misunderstanding, especially in American Christianity. Um, I was talking to a man one time. He was really upset. And uh, he was upset because his wife had just been diagnosed with cancer and they had retired and they had a perfect life plan. And he was really angry. And I said, so what are you angry about? I know you're sad. I know you're upset. I'd be freaking out, too, if I was in your situation. So why are you angry? Because God didn't keep up his end of the bargain. I said, wow. In what way? Well, you told me to get in that damn life group. That's how he said it. You don't like the life group? No, it's great. It's fine. I like it. Okay. And you said I should be giving my money generously, tithing. I said, is that not going well? No, it's fine. And you, you said I should be thinking of myself, he was the head of a big cultural institution downtown in his retirement, that, that, that if I went into the marketplace thinking what does God want to do in me and through me in this situation, you know, that's what I should do. And I've been doing that. Right. You don't like that? No, no, it made it more interesting. Okay. And went on, on, on. And I, I, and, and I finally said, well, why are you angry? He said, because God let me down. I've been doing all these things for God, and then he lets my wife get cancer. It's not right. It's not fair. He's not kept up his end of the bargain. My heart was sinking. It's a transactional approach. Now, I didn't say this to him, but I was thinking, yeah, they did teach you that at Harvard Business School. I know for a fact. It's all about transactions. It's all about deals and getting the best version of the deal. But this is a relationship. And very gently, over time, we talked about the fact that, you know what? Your wife would have had cancer in any case, but now she has cancer as a person of faith, surrounded by people who love her and are supporting her, who are praying for her. You have an eternal hope. You're done with optimism. Optimism is, I hope things work out okay. Certainly things have got to get better. You've exchanged optimism, which is so thin, as soon as the sun comes up, it evaporates. You've exchanged that, swapped that out for hope, which hope means that the Lord is with me forever and ever and ever. Amen. Through thick and thin, good and bad, things that I don't think I can bear to go through. He is with me and he is for me. Straight paths aren't easy, but they lead us to him. This is the promise of trusting in God. Your life won't be lived necessarily with great ease. I would love to learn through luxury and leisure. I want to, learn, I want to grow and learn through luxury and leisure. I've signed up for that class every semester. I never get in. Somehow God thinks it's better for me to learn through trial and error. <clears throat> so let me reframe and recap uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 for you. Trust in the Lord wholeheartedly. 
by not relying alone on your understanding, by submitting your understanding to him, by acknowledging him in all things, by holding your thoughts and actions up to him, following his guidance in your life, and God will be glorified in you and through you, and you will be blessed and people will benefit. That is my reworking of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and I think yours would be similar or better because in your own language, in ways that would make most sense to you, you could, you could paraphrase this proverb, and I hope you do because as you memorize it from the standpoint of your vernacular, uh, it will work its way into your heart. And as you bump into any element of what we've been talking about thus far, you'll say, you know what? <clears throat> my default is always to say, Lord, I want to trust you in this, though I don't understand it. I want to trust you in this, though I don't like it. I want to trust you in this, though somebody did this to me. I want to trust you in this, though I did this to myself. <laughs> I want to trust you, even though I, I did this to somebody, or that the people I had hopes for are not doing what I hoped they would do in the way that they would do them, and I'm losing control of the world, Lord. So I will trust in you. So then the third question we want to answer today, how is our church pursuing this this fall? First of all, let me say this. Uh, if you're visiting, if you're new to this, this church, we so welcome you. We are so delighted that you're here. And, uh, <clears throat> and you might not understand the context of what I'm going to say. I don't have the time to unpack it all. But just say, uh, just know that um, you're in the right place at the right time. And uh, I, want, I want to speak to everybody who's been here for a while. We recognize we need healing and restoration. Would you agree with me? We need healing and restoration. I know I need healing and restoration. We've taken a lot of hits, some self-inflicted. Would you agree with that? We are fatigued and frayed around the edges. Can you relate to that? We are fatigued and frayed around the edges. Uh, if everything I've said so far is documented in the New Testament, every letter of Paul addresses this sort of stuff. Everything I've just said is reflected in the Old or the First Testament. The people of Israel experienced this sort of descriptor. And so in our specific case, what will spiritual growth look like for us? <clears throat> well, here's just the beginning of a list. Being committed uh, to La Jolla Community Church and our vision frame. We need to be committed to La Jolla Community Church and our vision frame. We have a vision, mission, values. Uh, we have uh, uh, strategies and tactics. Uh, so spiritual growth for us will be saying, okay, how do we put our arms around the vision frame that God has given us? What will spiritual growth look like for us? Being faithful in worship. Prioritizing worship. Gathering together uh, in, in, the, in the presence of God together to worship him. Being faithful in giving. Realizing that the that what God has entrusted to us is meant to be used to advance his kingdom uh, through his body. Um, being connected to others in community. The easiest thing for me when uh, everything is going crazy is to withdraw, right? A door slams and you're in a room on your own in, in, when you grew up. Somebody would slam a door and they'd be in their room. Or somebody would slam the door on their way out never to return home. But being connected to others in community is essential for restoration and healing. And then being willing to serve within this congregation 
and serve beyond this congregation. We have to be internally connected so that we can be externally focused. The church does not exist for itself. The core of a church are the people God gathers together. But the primary audience and focus of the church are the people who are out there. It's sort of counterintuitive. But we need to be tight, internally connected. But not so tight that we're exclusive to anybody trying to break in. But rather internally connected so that we can be externally focused. How can we bless the community as God is blessing us? So let me say this to you. Please ignore the naysayers. The naysayer within you, within me. Uh, The naysayers that are perhaps circling around you. We are not going to fail. We are not going to fail. Would you say that with me? We are not going to fail. Here's why. It's not about strong horses, chariots, kings with big armies. It's about the Lord. God has called us to be his people. And every group of people he calls together to be a congregation uh, needs to learn to trust in him so they can fulfill the mission he's given them. We are not competing with other churches. We're competing with the works of the devil. We want God to bless and, and, and cause every church to thrive and flourish. We, we will not fail if we trust in him. We will fail for sure if we don't trust the Lord and do what he's telling us to do. There's two kinds of people in the world, those who say they can and those who say they can't, and both are usually right. So, remember we are people of prayer and God, God answers the prayers of those who trust in him. Here's how you can pray, given where we are. We need unity and discipline as we relaunch. Unity isn't just agreeing with each other, but it is being aligned with each other around our mission. Uh, One of the neat things in every family, every marriage, every friendship cluster, every great thriving organization is that there's alignment but not necessarily agreement. A A healthy community doesn't always agree with each other. They might have super spirited, animated discussions or arguments about things, but they're, they're aligned on their vision and their mission. And then, the, then the, the, all, the, all the animated conversations about, well, how do we fulfill that most effectively? What are the right priorities, the right price, the processes, the right phasing of that? So we need unity. <clears throat> and we also need discipline. So discipline is that coordinated effort of working together, not just acting independently. All of us are strong, independent people. That's what makes this church an interesting place. Bunch of go for people in every age and stage of life, different ethnicities. It's a fascinating congregation. But, but unity means coming together around Christ, and discipline means saying, how do we order our life together so that it's not lockstep and somebody telling us what to do, but all of us agreeing about what we'll do and how we'll use what God has entrusted to us. And so finding an orderly way to do what I said moments ago, to show consideration and respect for each other, under the Lord to say, what do you think it would look like for us to do this, this, and this? And as we have, have discussions about how to do that, disagreements, we'll work those through. But right now, we need to pray for unity and discipline as we relaunch. Uh, second thing we need to pray about, our board has approved an associate pastor search. I'm very excited about this. Our board has approved an associate pastor search. Our board has, a, has also approved an associate pastor search process. So you're not just, we don't just have a job description, we have a process for doing that. And so we're going to be doing that this fall. So please be praying for that. And we, we, we desperately need another pastor on our staff. <clears throat> it's, um, it's, it's challenging uh, uh, 
being a pastor is challenging being a staff. And, and the whole idea of having a staff for a church is not so they can do everything. It's so that they can help manage the vision, manage the mission, and leverage other people's capacity to fully participate in the vision. So the more staff we have doesn't make it easier for people to do nothing. More staff allows us to leverage more stuff. So as we relaunch and regrow, as we add more staff, it's not because it's a luxury to have staff. It's because, hey, if we have one more person, they can help this many more people leverage our gifts for Christ. And that just isn't paid staff. It's unpaid staff. It's everybody participating. So we need to pray uh, that as our board has approved this process and this uh, description, that we've, we have a good outcome. Then the staff. The staff needs your prayers and encouragement. You can imagine uh, it's been a really challenging time for our staff. Our staff works so hard, uh, as does our board, uh, trying to serve well the vision of this church. And yet, as we have diminished numbers of staff, everybody's doing multiple things, and it's a bit of a you know, bailing wire, chewing gum, and duct tape operation <coughs> uh, right now. Uh, and it might look on the outside like, hey, things are doing pretty well, all things considered. Yeah, but you can't sustain that. So the staff needs your prayers and encouragement uh, as they continue. And meanwhile, we need to pray for a children's director. Uh, Chris Young right now is our interim children's director. He's been on our staff previously. Phenomenal person. Uh, he's an interim, very, very part-time basis children's director. So he's helping us to hold it together as we move through the fall. And, we, and we're recruiting volunteers right now. We're, we're, we're putting a plan in place. Uh, there was no plan in place coming into the fall. We were putting a plan in place. And we're going to have a good fall. I don't mean fall like fall down. We're going to have a good season this fall. But ultimately, that's not the solution. So we need to be praying for a children's director. We need a worship leader. Craig uh, is holding it together. Uh, me and Craig and Arian have been managing worship. Uh, by the way, a week from now, Craig and, and Melanie are going to have their first child. They have their first baby. So, and, and I've assured him it won't change anything, so he can't take any time off work. So that's how we've looked at this. So we need a worship leader. Um, then we need more people stepping up to serve because we have so many people serving in this church. Uh, and we need to give them a break. People have been serving, some, in some cases, years in a position. We need to give them a break because they might want to do another kind of ministry. Um, you know, uh, uh, Sean Ellis is stepping down as a, the, 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 our head usher and has done a wonderful job. So we need people to step into these roles. We'll be talking more about that in the weeks to come. So we need more people stepping up to serve. What has God put in your hand that you could use to bless this church, even as you're maybe doing other things, hopefully other things beyond the walls of this church? Finally, this. Uh, here's how you can pray. We need to trust the Lord with all our heart and not lean on our own understanding. In all our ways, we must submit to him. And he will lead our paths straight. That's my prayer for me, for you, for all of us together. This is the prayer of your board. This is the prayer of your staff. And this is the need of the community beyond our community. Our community needs us to get it right. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Lord Jesus, so these are our prayers. These are our hopes. These are our dreams and our aspiration. Lord, we, we get this from your word. It's confirmed through your Holy Spirit. It's been made clear to us over and over and over again that when we trust you, amazing and wonderful things happen in sometimes ordinary and sometimes extraordinary ways. Lord, help us to think on these things 
to commit to these things, to move out in faith on these things. Uh, even as we continue to worship you as the offering of this morning is now received. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
If we can pray for you about anything or, or pray with you about anything that concerns you for yourself or anybody else, just go out around the corner to the prayer garden in front and somebody will be there to pray with you. You don't even have to tell them. Just say, I'm here, please pray. Uh, but if you want to tell them what you need prayer for, they're, they're glad to uh, pray for that. Also, this Friday, please come to this fun family gathering Friday night. What a great way to end the summer and simply hang out in the lawn uh, playing bocce ball or cornhole or watching a movie, snuggling with your kid or grandkid, uh, talking with friends. It, it's a great way to simply connect with people in the church, very low-key. Bring food if you want uh, to grill. We'll have a grill going. Bring a picnic. Pick up something on the way here or just show up. Uh, we want to be together and uh, simply enjoy uh, one final summer night together. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon us all, giving us everything we need to walk in newness and fullness of life with him, both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.